back to Victor E. History Podcast from the History Department at Forte State University, home of Victor E. Tiger. Here at Victor E. History, uh, Professor Holly Marquez and Dr. Manami Guha highlight student, faculty, and alumni research. Our student music major, Nathan Weiss, created and produced this brilliant music specifically for this podcast. I'm Dr. Manami Guha, and today we're joined by Jason Rivera, a junior in the history department. Welcome, Jason. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you are studying at Forte State. Yeah, my name is Jason Rivera. I am a history major at Forte State University. Um, I currently live in College Station, Texas with my fiance who attends Texas A&M. Um, and I honestly, I have great time at FHSU. I'm doing the online program, so it's flexible with my schedule and it's been a great experience so far. Awesome. Uh, so what made you pick Forte's for your bachelor's? Yeah, so I, uh, and like I said, I'm doing the online program. So mm -hmm. I found them to be very flexible with my schedule when I was doing research for mm -hmm. online schools. FHSU consistently across the board had the best reviews, uh, especially for the history program. I found um, tons of people. I actually reached out to a couple alumni who went through the history program and they all just had nothing but great things to say about the program. So it was kind of a no brainer from there. Awesome. So even before you started your history degree, you already had started doing research, which, you know, basically is the foundational tool every historian needs, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about the course you wrote this paper for, who was the course instructor, and what were the expectations they laid out for this uh, paper? Yeah, so the course was the History of Ideas to 1500, and it was taught by uh, Professor David Bowie, David Bovey, sorry. Um, and uh, basically, there weren't too many parameters on the paper. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of our end of the year uh, accumulation project. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was really open to basically any topic as long as we kind of mixed in some elements that we learned in the class, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I have always loved mythology. So I kind of chose to do mine on mythology, but also wanted to kind of intertwine that with um, kind of the real world and um, I guess the human experience. Mm -hmm. Isn't it always uh, isn't it always good when the professor gives you a lot of latitude to decide what the topic of the paper is going to be? That way you can then bring in your interest to align with the expectations for the paper. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I really enjoyed that class, but there were a couple units that I was like, oh, I don't know if I could do a whole paper on this. But um, <laughs> there were others, like I said, like the myth mythology side of it, that I just absolutely loved. And so um, him kind of opening up uh, that to just let us kind of be free to write whatever we wanted about was was really nice. Mm -hmm. um, but he was also a great help as well. He had a plethora of knowledge about what I was writing about. And so he was definitely helpful. And uh, helping me get resources and mm -hmm. um, just everything that I could need to, for writing it. Wow, that's amazing. Um, okay, so tell tell our listeners a little bit about your topic and what made you want to work on this. Yeah, so my paper is titled Fatherhood Among the Gods. Um, and it's it stems from my love of mythology, like I said. Uh, mm -hmm. But I really... What sparked it really was one book. It was by 
Dr. Rob, uh, Char- Dr. Charles Williams, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called the life cycle of father son relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes through basically all of the different stages that father and son go through in their relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, when I read that book, I found just tons of parallels between mythology stories that I had. So I actually wanted to first just do childhood in general with okay. mythology, okay. Um, but that was way too broad of a topic. So Dr. Bobby and I kind of pared it down. And so we got to these three stories, which is of Kronos and Zeus in Greek mm-hmm. mythology, Odin and Thor in Norse mythology, and then got it in Jesus in Christianity. Um, and I found a direct link between Dr. Charles Williams' book Mm-hmm. And then uh, one specific facet of each of these relationships um, and kind of just related them all to that book and kind of not really compared and contrasted, but just uh, illustrated how they each work in the life cycle of a father son relationship. Okay, wow. And we're going to talk more about this topic in this podcast today. Um, so why do you decide on uh, decide to focus on exploring the father-son relationship specifically in Greek, Norse, and Christian tradition only? Yeah, so um, honestly, a lot of it stemmed from just knowing the most about those ones. Um, mm-hmm. Greek mythology, uh, we learned a lot about, and we learned a lot about it in this specific class too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a pretty easy starting point. Um, and then Norse mythology is actually my favorite mythology. I love all the stories. I had already writ, uh, read the prose and poetic Edda before this, so I was already very familiar with uh, Odin and Thor's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being a Christian myself, God and Jesus story, again, very intimate to me as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I found that that one really matched up with one of the facets in uh, Dr. Williams' paper as well, so... Wow. And that's a book we'll definitely provide uh, information about in the in the podcast for anyone who wants to read that further. Um, So one thing that stood out to me as somebody who got to read your paper is that there is a an inherent sort of hostility that exists between father and son in Greek civilization. Can you tell our listeners more about that and where that stems from and why it exists the way it does? Yeah, so uh, the Greeks are kind of known for their um, their kind of brutal storytelling in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we look at uh, a lot of the stories about their gods are uh, have some have uh, some rather macabre elements to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's already kind of a natural tension between a father and a son. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the father is basically raising the son to take over what the father has built. Um, throughout his life you know there's an inherent tension for the son to live up to what his father has built basically Mm -hmm. um and so then you have greek culture which Mm -hmm. is mainly the children are raised by their mothers right Mm -hmm. so the fathers especially in war times things like that wouldn't even be around Mm -hmm. but the son is still expected to take over for his father take over his business, take over things like that when the father either passes or gets elderly. Mm-hmm. And so there becomes this tension where the father has the power over the son, but that begins to kind of shift in the son's teenage years and as he becomes an adult. So there's mm-hmm. that tension. And then you scale that up to the level of Greek gods. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get the story of 
Zeus and Kronos, mm -hmm. which is more brutal than any normal human experience would probably be, but mm -hmm. it's for that dramatic effect that they kind of have. So so, so for, for our listeners who might not be familiar with the story, would it be possible for, for you to summarize the story of Kronos and Zeus for us in a, in a short amount of time? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So Kronos was um, the head Titan. The Titans came before the Greek gods. Mm -hmm. um, and so he was the head Titan and um, he began having um, children with Rhea. Mm -hmm. um, and so these children were like Poseidon, Poseidon Hades, um, all the Greek gods that we know, you know, and mm -hmm. there was a prophecy that one of them would kill him. Mm -hmm. um, and so he began actually eating his own children. Um, and Rhea was appalled by this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rhea was appalled by this, obviously, being their mother. Mm -hmm. And so she hid Zeus away okay. um, and actually tricked Kronos. Um, and so Zeus, when he came of age, when he came to his basically teenage years, mm -hmm. um, he came back and fought Kronos and basically took over his throne and became the head god. Oh, wow. Okay, that's a, that's a pretty gory story, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. Um. So, uh. So from there, now that you know, you've told if you, you've told me and the listeners a little bit about the you know the Kronos and Zeus story, um, could you give our listeners a context to the relationship between Odin and Thor? Yeah. So Odin and Thor uh, has a lot of similarities to the Greek uh, stories of Zeus and Kronos as well. Um, Thor is definitely trying to live up to his father's glories. Um, the these stories come from uh, Norse culture, which at the time was very warrior centered. It, their entire culture was based on warrior tribes, warrior clans. Um, and so Odin was seen as their head god who was the most fierce warrior. He mm -hmm. created the earth basically from a battle with a giant, you know, mm -hmm. like it was all this glorious battle culture. Wow. Um, and so Thor comes along his son mm -hmm. and tries to emulate that. They go on tons of battles together and Thor goes off on his own and does his own thing. And it's all trying to live up to his father's uh, glory, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely stems from the Norse culture being one of a warrior society, um, mm -hmm. things like that. So then um, we get to uh, Ragnarok, which is basically the end of the world in Norse mythology. Mm -hmm. um, and in Ragnarok, Odin fights Fenrir, which is basically a giant wolf that swallows the sun and the earth. And then... Thor has to fight Jormagandr, which is a giant serpent who is venomous uh -huh. and can encircle the entire earth. Mm -hmm. um, and Odin actually dies in battle to Fenrir. Um, and Thor dies, but not before killing Ormagondr. Okay. And in his death, he realizes that this is a great death, basically. And he has surpassed his father, finally, as the greatest warrior you know he's lived up to his father's uh glory he's filled his father's shoes basically mm -hmm. wow okay so so a lot of like larger than life characters larger than life moments right yeah so it's kind of the same as the the greek stories um the the norse stories like to 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 like the drama they like to blow it all really big right mm -hmm. um 
So obviously Norse culture, they probably weren't fighting giant wolves and giant serpents, but the, the sons were still trying to live up to their father's warrior status, you know, like every man in Norse culture was expected to be a warrior, was expected to fight. Mm -hmm. And so the sons being brought up in that were expected to do the same and they were expected to live up to the, the great things that their father had done, the great battles that their fathers had fought in. Okay, so the essential idea, what I'm getting at, at least out of the Greek and the Norse society, the Norse cultures, is that even though the fathers may be absent fathers while they are growing up, um, they're still hearing about their father's, you know, accomplishments and the huge wins. And the son is just expected to sort of uh, keep, not, not only keep up, actually try and do better than what their fathers did, right? Yeah, yeah, they're supposed to take over for their fathers, basically, you know, they're supposed to keep on that legacy that their fathers had built. Um, mm -hmm. And there, that's where kind of the tension comes in, mm -hmm. uh, is where, you know, you have one person basically raising this other person to pass them, which right. is going to definitely cause some tension, it's going to cause some strife. But in the end, it can also be a really beautiful thing. It can be a great thing. Like in the story of Odin and Thor, um, when Thor finally does surpass his father, that's like this great moment where like Thor is now crowned like the head god. And even though he dies shortly after, like there's a brief moment where he's like, he's got all this glory. He knows that this is like a legendary thing that he's just done. Mm -hmm. Um. So one thing that you know, I sort of wanted to uh, ask you is what is the role of the mother in all of this? Yeah, so um, it was a lot harder to find it about Nordic culture, if I'm mm -hmm. being honest. Um, Greek culture, we have a couple different sources on that. Um, a lot of like, especially in Athenian society, um, mm -hmm. the mothers raised the children until they were like seven or eight years old. And then the children would go to school um, mm -hmm. and then come home basically back to the mothers. So mm -hmm. the mothers were very instrumental in raising children, mm -hmm. um, which has kind of allowed the fathers to be a little bit more absent. Um, but they were still kind of there around, you know, which is also kind of what leads to the tension, mm -hmm. um, things like that. So I would love to write more about uh, like the like mother, the way that mother child dynamic is. Um, right. And I would love to, to research that a lot more um, just for this paper. Um, honestly, I found it a little bit easier with the time constraints to do the fathers. Um, that's the most readily available sources right. I guess we have so fair enough but you know it would be so interesting to see in such a hyper masculine like these especially the Greek and the Nordic which are so hyper masculine the women played an instrumental role right in the creation of these sons in the in the in raising these sons and in imbuing a certain sense of heroism in these sons but you know then the role of the mother I think might be an interesting angle to explore later on oh of course that would be that would be uh, a great avenue to go down i mean even in so even in chronos and zeus's story we see rhea um save zeus mm -hmm. and then basically um she had to entrust him with other people to raise him but she still checked in on him and was like basically his only parent mm -hmm. um for the first i think it was 16 years of his life um oh. she was the one coming and checking on him and making sure he was okay all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um and then we see the role that Freya plays in Norse mythology. Mm -hmm. um, she's a great mother to Thor. Thor uh, in the Poetic Edda talks at length about how much he loves his mother and how much 
how great of a god she is and um, wow. so i would i would love to do some more research on that and uh see the mother's role in creating these these great gods and these great figures right right um so how do you think each of these father-son relationships that we have talked about Kronos and Zeus, uh, Odin and Thor, God and Jesus, in in just these father exploring these father son relationships and the sort of discord between these relationships, what do you think these tell us about each of the societies that they were part of, like the Greek, Norse, and Christian society? Yeah, so uh, I mean, for for Greece, they tell us that. Uh, they tell us, like we said, the, the the sons were basically raised by their fathers. The fathers weren't around as much as, I guess, like you would say today's world is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they give us that dynamic of the son is supposed to be raised by the father, respect the father, but then also surpass the father once they come of age and take over for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if even if you had a little farm in ancient Greece, you're, you would be raising your son to one day take over that farm, you know, mm-hmm. so you would take over for your father. Um, in in Norse, um, like I said, it's a warrior culture. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, the sons were always trying to live up to their father's uh, glories in battle. You know, they were always seeking out battles, new ways that they could, um, I guess, obtain glory through battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and live up to their father, father's legacies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the God and Jesus story is actually kind of flips the way we see it on its head. So the other two stories are kind of reflection. The stories are reflections of the society. Mm-hmm. But in God and Jesus, it's the people, the society is actually supposed to look to the story for inspiration. Um, okay. And so like the relationship that God and Jesus have as a father and son is mm-hmm. supposed to be the way in which Christians, especially the early Christians mm-hmm. patterned their father son relationships after. So, so interesting. Uh, yeah. So like um, Jesus talks about like the never ending love of the father in the Bible and mm-hmm. how, um, and so that is the same love that, a human father is supposed to show to his human son. And then the human son, once they come of age, is supposed to reciprocate that. So so is that the only sort of uh, difference that you saw between Greek and Norse on one side and Christian on the other side? Oh, no, there was, there's, I mean, there's tons of differences between them. Oh, tell uh, us more. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like the, all of these stories, like they all share kind of similar elements. I mean, like Odin and Thor, um, there's kind of a very unspoken bond there. They have a very tight bond. Okay. Um, they they go on all of these battles together. They do all of this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So there's definitely like a love element there. They definitely, you can tell that they definitely have love and respect for each other, even if it's not necessarily spoken. Mm-hmm. Kronos and Zeus, not so much. Like I said, they're very <laughs> separated and then just kind of fight with each other. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's tons of uh, similarities, parallels, but there's also a ton of differences, you know, I mean, in comparing God and Jesus to say Kronos and Zeus, mm-hmm. there's obviously a much different dynamic. We have Jesus in the Bible is very intimate when he prays, when he talks to God, when he discusses things with that Kronos and Zeus, Zeus never even talks to his dad before he comes to basically take over his throne, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the societies that are built upon that, Mm-hmm. obviously look very different as well the early christians were built on a, a 
pacifist standards. They were mm-hmm. their their core beliefs were very pacifist. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, Norse Norse warriors who though the entire clans were warriors, you know. Right. So that kind of patterns that Odin and Thor. And then Greek was kind of somewhere in the middle, very dramatic, flamboyant, but also they fought in tons and tons of wars and battles. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of patterns the Chronos Zeus story, which is very flamboyant, dramatic, but also there's mm-hmm. this huge battle. So um, it's very interesting when you kind of just break it down from one story from each of these different myths right. and then kind of compare them. It kind of gives you actually a little bit of a picture of all of them. Right, right. It's like a slice of, uh, you know, slice of Nordic life or Greek life. I have to ask you one question. Um, I have, I, I will confess, I haven't watched all of the movies because it's not my cup of tea. But how um, removed are, they're the Marvel movies, right? The Thor movies? <laughs> yes, yeah. How far removed are they from uh, the, the, from the actual mythology? And what did you think of them? The movies? Um, uh personally i uh, me personally i think mm-hmm. that they're pretty removed i still very much enjoy them i love all of the marvel movies mm-hmm. but i look at them as completely separate stories um i think that they i mean like in the in like thor ragnarok for example uh-huh. the movie uh-huh. that came out a few years ago um uh-huh. thor does fight fenrir um but right. that in greek mythology odin fights fenrir and okay. so uh there's just they're not 100 percent accurate they basically kind of took the names and the powers of the gods and kind of they took a lot of liberties let's say that okay so did they did you see enmeshing of like greek mythology and nordic mythology all sort of you know mixed into this hodgepodge in these movies (laughs) yeah a little bit um it's kind of like uh the last couple, I guess, Thor movies have mm-hmm. kind of been written the way that I think a Greek would actually write, uh, like very wow. dramatic, very, very big scenes, very big sets, very big battles. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of think it's like an ancient Greek would, I think, write that more than a Norse, a Nordic person would. I think an ancient, uh, a person in uh, the ancient Scandinavian countries might not be so flamboyant with their stories. Oh, okay. They'd be more reserved and more to the point, not yeah, so dramatic. more stoic. Yeah, oh, yeah. right, more stoic. So again, I have to ask on in the movies. Um, I'm forgetting the character's name now. Uh, the one who plays Thor's brother, and they have this ongoing animosity. Is that again part of Nordic mythology, or did the creators come up with him? Yeah. So Loki. Um, Loki, Loki is a very interesting character in. <laughs> both actually the marvel movies and uh norse mythology mm-hmm. i'd say they did a pretty decent job with him um they do have a very weird dynamic him and his brother loki's mm-hmm. always getting into trouble mm-hmm. and loki is actually the one who brings about ragnarok in norse mythology and he actually causes the death of all of the gods in Norse mythology Um, so that definitely does not happen in the Marvel movies Um, he kind of changes face I guess and turns into kind of a good guy in the Marvel movies Mm -hmm. so again they kind of took some liberties there but Mm -hmm. um, they they I'd say that they kind of got his character right though he's kind of mischievous 
he's very sometimes he's very good in a story and he's very helpful to Thor and mm-hmm. then other times he's like actively trying to kill Thor so right. I feel like they kind of got that right a little bit okay oh, okay last question I promise you this will be the last question about <laughs> movies um but I mean from the movies as you're speaking a second question comes to mind is so Thor was the oldest son right so the so are there expectations that are then sort of tempered down as you get to the second or the third son or is all the responsibility on the shoulders of the oldest son Oh yeah, so the movies actually do a very good job of this. Uh they actually okay. related to my paper very well in the movies. Um oh, tell us more. Yeah, so Odin is actually in um the first couple of Thor movies and a, a lot of like an underlying theme in those movies is Thor trying to live up to his father's greatness. Mm-hmm. Um Thor doesn't want to be the king of Asgard. He doesn't want to be that, but he still wants to go do all of these battles. He still wants to fight and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he like eventually learns kind of how to be like like his dad you know he likes he kind of figures out how to step into his father's footsteps mm-hmm. as a great warrior but also a great king mm-hmm. um and so there was kind of a good parallel there and then loki there's not really much expectations on him in norse oh. mythology or in the movies honestly um mm-hmm. like you said as it kind of as once you kind of get to the second son there's not mm-hmm. really that same expectation right kind of I guess you could say a contingency if the first son passes away. Is <laughs> you know? right. it yeah. second son onwards, you do what you want to do. The first son exactly. has all the responsibility. Okay, so this next question is something that I really am so excited about what you have to say for this. So what were the sort of sources that you uh, had to read to, you know, write this paper? And what was your experience working with these sources? These would have been such interesting sources you would have been reading, right? Yeah, so um, obviously, like I said, Dr. Charles Williams' um, paper and then his book, uh, The Life Cycle of Father-Son Relationships, Mm -hmm. that was the entire backbone of my paper, basically. Um, And I think his research is really good um, Mm -hmm. on this subject. He does, he he dives way deeper into father-son relationships than I ever could. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has just a wealth of knowledge on it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, like, as far as primary sources, the the prose and poetic edda are great if you want to get into norse mythology mm-hmm. um just even reading them they're kind of a tough read because it's written in you know ancient nordic and then translated um, <laughs> right. but there's some there's some incredible stories in there they they really the norse people were great storytellers mm-hmm. um as far as the greek mythology goes um i mean there's there's tons and tons and tons of literature out there there's Edith, Edith Hamilton's mythology was a great source for me for this. Mm-hmm. Um, talks a lot about Kronos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as the Jesus and God one, um, mm-hmm. there is a great book by Marianne May called The Living Father. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of dives into how God is portrayed as a father figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a really great book that helped out a lot. Um, another really interesting, some more interesting sources that I used was actually artwork. Um, I found uh, paintings like Saturn devouring his son. It kind of, they kind of depicted what I was, um, I guess, studying. Like mm-hmm. they kind of brought it into how people 
the people that were writing this would have seen these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, especially, especially for the Greeks, um, mm-hmm. they like to make a lot of artwork that okay. related to their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool. Like getting to see like what they thought that these characters would look like in these situations, mm-hmm. what they thought um, Kronos and Zeus's battle would look like, you know? Um, right. So that was really interesting. That was, those are some great sources there as well. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so interesting. And a lot of the books that you mentioned will also include it in our bibliography. So anyone wants to know more about this topic, this very interesting topic, can read up on can can read further into this. Um, so what sort of courses are are you still wanting to take uh in the, you know, while you are at Forte's history courses? What courses are you planning to take? Yeah, so uh, after I took after last semester, after I took this history of ideas class, mm-hmm. um, and I just really liked it. I liked the way uh, Professor Bovi taught. Um, so I ended up taking his classics class this semester, mm-hmm. uh, which has been great. It's basically the study of ancient Greece and ancient Rome, um, oh, wow. and that class has been great. So um, kind of continuing studies as on what I was studying before. So that's been really good. Mm-hmm. I'm also taking uh, the public service class for the National Park Service. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoy that class. It's really cool to see how I'm from Colorado mm-hmm. um, and I've been to all the national parks there. So uh, getting to see how their history and the history of the national parks in general just intertwines with American history has been really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one specific class that I found on the course registry that I really hope that they bring back in upcoming semesters. It's called uh, Religion, Heresy, Magic, and Myth. And mm-hmm. I would love to take that class, but uh, it hasn't been offered since I've been at Fort Hayes yet. So hopefully it comes back soon. So. Right. That's an interesting course. And in fact, I think there's an iteration of this course being offered in the summer with Dr. Kim Perez, if you're interested um really also, okay. yes yes there is a there is a study abroad element to it but i think she's also designed it to where you don't have to take oh you can still take it even if you don't do the study abroad so definitely look into it um but uh this was so interesting this is this is this is like a historical topic that i will confess i had no idea going into but once i read your paper a lot of the things started to make sense so thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us today Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Absolutely. Uh, We will post a selected bibliography of sources for those of you who want to learn more about fatherhood among gods at our website, victorehistory.com. Subscribe by email to get notifications on episodes. You can find our Victor E. History podcast on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Spotify, or at victorehistory.com. If you are interested in pursuing a history degree or a history education degree at Forte State University, online or on campus, visit www.fhsu.edu backslash history to learn more. Thank you so much. Thank you.